Hello and welcome to another episode of My Perspective, Stories of Recovery Experiences. My name is Malcolm Choate, CEO of Special Projects with the Better Health Generation. Today I have a guest, Luke, who will tell us his story about living with infirmity, what that journey has been like, and how he lives a life that has meaning to him. Luke, welcome to My Perspective, Stories of Recovery Experiences. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, hi, Malcolm. Uh, yes, it's uh, great to be here and uh, great to be doing the podcast today. Thank you. Luke, in a previous discussion that you and I have had, you told me that you were born in 1977, which, if my maths is right, makes you 44 years of age. Now, something happened at your birth, which was to have lifelong consequences for you. What was that? Yes, yeah, so Malcolm, um, I was born in um, 1977, which um, you said makes me 44 years old. My mum at my birth had septicemia, which is a, um, a poisoning of the blood in her body. And uh, this made her very sick, um, obviously, as well as me. And I was born roughly 12 weeks premature. After I was born, I was um, placed in a humidity crib for roughly 10 weeks. Long story short, as a result of all this, I was diagnosed with mild cerebral palsy, which means it, it does affect my fine motor movements in my hands. I'm a, bit, I'm a bit clumsy at times. I do have mild cognitive uh, issues um, with problem solving, uh, repetitive thinking sometimes, uh, gait and balance, and uh, gross motor issues. So practically speaking, Luke, what has the cerebral palsy meant for you as you go about your usual activities? Uh, yeah, well, I, I do require assistance with um, uh, food preparation at times. So just say I um, have a big piece of meat um, <clears throat> on the table or something, I might require someone to help cut that up in bite-sized portions for me. Utensil use can be a bit difficult. Um, I don't always use a knife and a fork because of my hands and the clumsiness of my hands. Um, I mainly use a spoon and I, I tend to trip over a bit sometimes, so I have to be careful. Although I don't trip over often, but I can do sometimes, so I have to be careful. And I, I do need help with um, managing new tasks. Yeah, so there's... Many things you've described there, things that probably a lot of us just take for granted that you do experience some difficulties with. Yes. Now, I think you were brought up in the southwest of Sydney. Um, as a matter of fact, from what you've told me before, you attended some schools in the same area uh, as the schools that I attended growing up. What was the experience of school like for you? Yeah, um... School, school was um, pretty good. Um, most of the teachers uh, understood my disability and um, they were fairly kind and generous. Um, I attended preschool at Rimwood Public School, 
there. Uh, the teacher was Mrs. Beverly Russell. And I, I went from kindergarten to year six at Pickworth West Public School. Then I transitioned to high school at Pickworth High School and completed years seven to 10. Um, I did the high school, high school certificate. No, not, not the high, no, the school certificate. Yeah, some of the classes I enjoyed more than others. I didn't like maths because uh, that's just figures and figures go right over my head. <laughs> but anyway, my favourite subject was uh, science, actually, because it was uh, fairly hands-on. I, I used to like doing uh, all the experiments there and whatnot. Yeah, not everyone liked maths, Luke, I can assure you of that. No. wasn't yeah. my favourite subject either. Yeah. But you've been able to remember the name of that teacher, Mrs. Russell. Yes. Why was that? Why have you been able to recall her name? Funny you should mention that. Uh, she is actually a member of our church. Well, she's, she doesn't come along to the hall now. She's in a, a, in a nursing home uh, up near me. But, um, yeah, she, she uh, used to be a regular attender at our church. And uh, she still logs on to the services every week now that uh, we, we have the services online. So, that um, yeah, she logs on every week. Okay. And I think religion has been important in your life, and that's a topic that we'll come back to later. But first, in your later teenage years, I think you developed some health issues. Yeah. Um, and after leaving school, those issues ultimately resulted in you requiring kidney dialysis. Can you explain what kidney dialysis is, please? Kidney dialysis is um, more or less a filtration of the blood. So if a person has normal kidney function, the kidneys in, in their body will filter the, um, all the toxins out of the blood by themselves. But in my case, I didn't have working kidneys. So ultimately, the, the, the dialysis machine had to filter out the blood for me. So, um, yeah, filter the blood for me. So um, what it is, more or less, you have uh, cannulas put in your arms. Uh, yeah, you, you, you have to have an operation uh, before you can go on dialysis so that a surgical team can create what's called a fistula, in other words, a passage for the, um, for the needles to go in and out. So it's like um, one needle is for the artery, the other one's for the vein. Uh, you go in through the artery and out via the vein, so... Yeah, and your, your blood just gets filtered around the dialysis machine and returned to you. So you would be literally hooked up to a machine with tubes inserted into both fistulas and yes. you'd have to stay there next to the machine as the machine worked and filtered your blood. For how long would you have to be connected to the machine like this at any one time? Uh, this was done uh, three days a week for six hours at a time. So 18 hours a week you'd be connected to this machine? Yes. Wow. 
And where was this done? Uh, initially, this was done out at the old um, Prince Henry Hospital, which is uh, no longer there. It's just housing now near La Perouse. Uh, they, they, they had a dialysis unit out there. And uh, my mum and dad used to take it in turns to drive me out to the unit out there. They would um, go. And then at the, at the end of the session, they would come and pick me back up. So the, the trip itself would take about 45 minutes one way. Would that be right? Correct, yep. Three times a week. That's a lot of time taken out of your week, isn't it? Yes, 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 yes. It, it, it did take up a lot of time, yes. It, uh, yes, it, it was a big chunk out of my life, but yeah. And for how long did you need this dialysis? Over how many years did you need it? Roughly 12 years. Um, I, I, I didn't always have to go out to the dialysis to the dialysis unit. Eventually, the dialysis transitioned to home dialysis. So I had a room made up at home where the dialysis machine could go, and uh, I had to get someone out to um, the house to fit all the plumbing up and, and uh, all that stuff. So. And uh, my, my, my dad used to help me connect up to the machine at home. And nonetheless, you'd still be there connected to it, not able to go out and about for about yeah. six hours a day, three days a week. Yes. Yeah. So Luke, I think the need for this dialysis came to an end when you received a kidney transplant, which was about 14 years ago. So what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so it, it was really, really uh, exciting actually. Um, I remember the day, it was a um, Sunday morning and the hospital phoned me first to, just to check if I was in good enough health, um, asking me if I could receive a kidney transplant. And uh, I said, yes. And uh, then I had to wait for them to get back to me, which, which was about 15, 20 minutes. And uh, they, they confirmed it in about 15 to 20 minutes. I more or less had to um, race into the hospital. Um, I had to have another dialysis session. So that, that was in preparation for the actual operation, which was to happen that evening. So after the dialysis at the hospital, I was taken up to the ward and uh, prepared for surgery up there. And the surgery was successful, is that right? Yes, the surgery was successful, yep. And as a result of that, I think uh, there was quite a significant change to the way in which you were able to live your life. No longer yes. uh, bound to that machine. No, nope, no longer bound to the machine. And also um, being on dialysis meant that I was restricted in what I could eat and what I could drink. So having a transplant freed up uh, massively that area. So a real life-changing event. Yes, indeed, yep. In amongst all of this, the dialysis, the transplant, and of course the cerebral palsy, you managed to fit in employment. Where have you worked and what have you done? Yeah, so I've been a part-time cleaner at a place called Advanced LPG and Mechanical Repairs, which is now shut. Um, I was a cleaner for nearly 18 years. Um, I worked a couple of days a week. Um, I also worked at 
various smash repairs doing the same thing around the area during those 18 years. Work was, um, yeah, it was fairly dusty, fairly oily, quite hot, fairly demanding work at times, but, yeah, it was uh, fun. Well, work can be fun sometimes, yeah. can't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. What was the experience of employment like for you? Did it make a difference to you, do you think? Well, yes, it did, because, uh, yeah, I, I made quite a, I made some quite good friends at work. The bosses, the bosses were quite nice to me. And what difference, if any, did it make to the way in which you saw yourself? Well, I, I guess you could say um, I had more independence. You know, I could see myself as um, becoming more independent, if you like. And I think you've also been doing some voluntary work at a nursing home. So what's yes. that experience been like for you? Yeah, quite good. Yep. Uh, yes, I've, um, well, I'm, I'm not doing voluntary work at the moment, obviously, but I, I do, I did volunteer um, up at a couple of nursing homes, which are near me. Uh, one is called South Haven Nursing Home. The other one is called Casimir Nursing Home. And I've really enjoyed chatting with the older folk up there, um, getting to know a bit about their lives and uh, what they've done for jobs in the past. There's a bloke that I see occasionally um, up at Casimir. He's 101 years old. He is as fit as a fiddle. He served in the war, World War II. He, he served in um, New Guinea. And he, he told me all about that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Having worked with people like that, Luke, I find their stories very, very inspiring too. Yeah. yeah. And of course, you're not able to do this voluntary work anymore because at the moment we're all in lockdown and yeah. you and I are both, you know, an LGA where we are very limited in what it is we can do at the moment, but that will come to an end one day, won't it? Well, <laughs> hopefully, yes. Yeah, it will. It will. Yes. And then will it be back to the nursing home for you to do that voluntary work? Well, yeah, but I, 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 I wouldn't imagine that they that let anyone into the, into the nursing homes uh, soon. I would imagine that would be one of the last things that they would do. That's probably right unfortunately. Yep. In amongst the employment, you've also developed a number of different interests. What are your interests? Yes, well, uh, Malcolm, I, I love I love following sport, especially on, on, the, uh, on the weekends. Um, I'm an AFL supporter. I love following the, um, the Sydney Swans um, AFL football team. They've made the finals this year, which is uh, good, having finished down near the bottom of the ladder last year. I also run a group on Facebook called Talking Sport, which I was the founding member some seven years ago or something. This has 89 members uh, currently, and we chat all sport, AFL, NRL, rugby union, Olympics, whatever sport's going, we discuss it. And also um, 
although I can't do this now either, but I'm a I'm a train spotter. I, I like to go train spotting for a hobby. I, I take photos of um, freight trains, then I come home and I upload them to the internet so that um, uh, people can see them. Are you also a steam train enthusiast? Uh, very much so. Yes, I, I love I love heritage trains, uh, steam trains, uh, heritage diesels. Yeah, yes, I'm I'm very much a heritage uh, heritage train person too. So you would know about the zigzag railway at Lithgow. Yes, definitely. Yes, that's about. Yes. Have you been there? Yes, I have. Yep. Yes, I've been there. Yep. And what was that like? Yeah, yeah, quite good. Uh, it's a bit small, but I prefer something bigger. But yeah, that's it's fine. It's fine. It's good. So you would know all about the thirty-eight class steam trains. Yes, definitely. Yes, uh, yes. The thirty-eight one has. Um, over the past couple of years, just recently come back into service after having a um, major overhaul, which um, ran into all sorts of difficulties. And uh, it took about 10 years um, where it should have only taken two in reality. So, yeah. But it's up and running again. Yes. Yeah? Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, Luke, you still live at home, the same place where you were raised as a child. How would you describe your life at the moment? My, my life at the moment, um, it does require a bit of adjustment at the moment because um, um, my mum had a stroke back in October of last year. And as a result of the stroke, um, she's developed... Um, apraxia and aphasia so um, the ability for her to communicate is, is uh, quite limited although as she's going forward from October until now I definitely have noticed some improvement and as a matter of fact um, she's just started on some um, speech therapy again uh, in the past couple of weeks Having been, having been off it for some two or three months. So, yeah, we're, we're hoping that um, she can improve further. Certainly hope so, Luke. Yes. yes. Prospects are fairly good, though. Yes. Well, well, she, she, she has a thing. She has a, what's called Brockus aphasia. Yeah, I, I have read that um, on the internet that... Um, Long-term uh, people with Broca's aphasia have a pretty good outcome because the people with Broca's aphasia can understand what they've done wrong and they can correct it. Yeah, yes. they can find ways around the problems that they're yes. experiencing. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, look in your life, you've had to experience a number of setbacks and You've also experienced a lot of positive things as well and developed a lot of interests and worked. You've had to deal with quite a bit. So what do you think has helped you? Well, I, I've, had, um, I've had good parents when growing up. Both my mum and dad have been around to help me, which is good. I've learned from them. Also, um, 
I'm a strong believer in uh, God and Jesus, and I believe that um, they they guide me through um, each and every day. What do you think has helped you the most? I just tend to take um, every day as it comes, Malcolm. I'm not. I I, I try not to worry like for the future. Um, I just take every day as it comes. I mean, that doesn't always work out, work out that way, but this, that's my philosophy in life. I, I do try and take every day as it comes and not be too worried about anything. I think that's a pretty good philosophy to have, actually. Yeah. So what advice would you give other people who may be sharing similar experiences to your own? Not to give up on your dreams. Try, try and pursue your interests. Uh, if you can, uh, get as much help as, as possible to achieve this. And you've had, over the years, assistance and help from clinicians, from other people. Yeah. So what advice would you be able to give clinicians, those who are helping people as they live with a range of medical and other issues? Um, I would say uh, listen to their stories and try to be as understanding of them as you can be. Let them define the problems that uh, they have and to suggest solutions for the problems that they might have and try and to assess them properly to take the steps that are needed into overcoming their difficulties. Has there been one person in particular who's helped you the most or has helped you a lot in your life outside of your family? Oh, there've been a lot of people. I can't name one. Uh, that's a bit hard there. I, I, I can't really name one because I, I, I've, I've had a lot of people. Um, I can't really name one. But what's been different then about them that have made the difference to you and you, to your life? Well, the, they've listened to me and uh, they, they've understood me and that they know I, I'm a bit um, slow at times. So they've learned to, um, they've learned just to understand my needs. Yeah. I'm glad that that's been your experience, Luke. Hmm. Amongst other things, it sounds like respect has been important, that you yes. feel respected by these people. Yes. Luke, what are your life goals and aspirations now? Well, I, I, I would like to gain um, part-time employment uh, one day. Um, I'm quite interested in the transport uh, logistics industry, but however, I think a more suitable, I think a more suitable role um, for me maybe one day maybe being a straw person or a packer at a warehouse or supermarket. Um, also, here's a big one. Um, I might have to save save up enough money one one day, save up enough money one day to purchase my own uh, residence when the family home is sold, maybe. Although I, I don't, I don't, I'm not 
100% sure whether this home will be sold yet. It's that's still to be worked out, but um, yeah, that 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 will be sometime down the track. And in order to achieve that, you'll need to be working, and that's certainly an aspiration of yours to to regain employment once the current situation with the lockdowns and COVID have um, been put to one side. Yes. Yes. Well, look, I certainly um, wish you all the very, very best of luck with that. And um, I'm sure given your past experiences and the way in which you've dealt with issues and overcome them in the past, I'm sure that this is something that you will be able to achieve. Do you feel optimistic? Do you feel positive about the future? Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 I do. I do feel um, optimistic about the future, yeah. Um, although I am a little bit... Uh, I'm a little bit worried worried about what may happen to mum. She 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 may eventually have to go into a nursing home eventually, but uh, that's that that shouldn't be. Well, I I guess it is a bit of my worry, but I guess I can't really do much in that regard. I suppose. Yes, it would be a concern, Luke, and I gather from what you were saying to me earlier that she's reaching that age where it's going to be more and more likely that at some stage she'll have to be moving into a nursing home. Yes, well, that, that may be down the track, like it may be a couple of years off or something, yeah, but it, 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 it may have to happen, yeah. I suppose this is what life is like, isn't it? Where nothing ever goes smoothly. There are these setbacks that we experience from time to time. There's also positive experiences. And then it's just up to us what we make of it. Would you agree? Yes, yes, uh, yes, definitely. Yep, I would say correct. And do you think that you've made the most of the opportunities that have come your way? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I've, I've given them, I've given them my best shot, and uh, yeah, because that's all you can do, really, give it your best shot. So, yeah, I think you're right, Luke. I think, firstly, yes, you have given it your best shot, and agree, yes, that's all that one can do. Yeah, yeah. Luke, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks I for think- being on the podcast. That's all right, Malcolm. Uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. Thank you. It's been very interesting and thank you so much. That's fine. Thank you, Malcolm.